All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Still, we're not going to be doing any ad reads. You already know the promo code, Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, folks. We haven't done one of these in a while. It hasn't warranted one, but today, on this Friday afternoon, recording this at 3.43 p.m., alongside Chris Faber, David Gudrelli, coming to you from my apartment, as is Chris Faber, here to talk about JT Miller. Chris, did you expect to have an emergency episode after we'd already seen each other, recorded episode 293 of the podcast, which will be posted on Saturday morning at the regular, regularly scheduled time, did you expect to have to talk to me again today? No, I thought I was good for the weekend getting away from you, which would have been nice. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I'm just, I, you know, this is 15 minutes after the deal just came down. The Vancouver Canucks announced it on Twitter. Seven years, $56 million for JT Miller. And I, I feel like I just had, like, my blood replaced with energy drinks. Like, I, I don't know. I am just up on another level right now of, I don't know... I feel like, I don't know 100%, we'll discuss the contract a little bit as we go here, but I am just so excited to not have to discuss, like, rumors anymore, or just people making up rumors, or what was said where, you know, which agent tweeted out the money bag sign, like, that week, so, like, at one point, like, I am happy this has come to an end as the contract goes, I mean, we can discuss that as we go on with this podcast, but JT Miller, $8 million dollars. AAV for the next seven years. We know that for sure. We know the Canucks are in win now mode. So uh, I did not expect to see this, but man, it's just, it's such typical Canucks. Like Friday, you're going into the long weekend. You could have, I like, how did we not see this coming? That it's long weekend Friday. They always do this to us. Uh, but we got the JT Miller done. 
uh, the deal done. So I don't know. Now we get to deal with it here on the podcast. <laughs> Let's break it down for our listeners. We'll jump into the terms here. Seven years, eight million, as announced by GM Patrick Alvin today at like three thirty, I think it was, and we're recording this like you said, fifteen minutes after the news came down. Very unexpected. But Chris, what became apparent, and I know you and I avoided talking about this, and I think to an extent, I, I believe that both of us are pretty excited to not have to talk about uh, trade speculation or anything else with Miller uh, anymore. I, I am quite excited to have some sort of, um, I guess, stability, if you will, in the sense of we don't have to keep rehashing the same old, same old, but the terms, seven years, $8 million. I think the big thing here is the total value, and that's $56 million, Chris. Again, we've heard the Canucks before. We've, we've heard it be rumored uh, and reported that the Canucks didn't want to go over six years, and they definitely wanted that to start with a seven, so clearly they moved a little bit, but when you're looking around the league at what the contract comparables are, look, with Nazem Kadri getting a seven-by-seven seven in Calgary, right? Tage Thompson getting what he just got in Buffalo. Uh, the, the writing was on the wall that, one, the Canucks were going to have to pay more, uh, it, it was going to cost them more, and it's funny because on the Saturday episode, we briefly touched on Tage Thompson, I believe, uh, and we were going to work on something for Canucks Army as well, talking about how that drives the price of not only Miller's negotiations, but also Elias Pettersson on his next contract. I think the big thing here, though, Chris, is just that the total money was going to have to be over $50 million, right? The Canucks obviously would, would have hoped to keep it under $50 million, but to lock this player up at seven years, look, they're making it clear that they're in win now mode and they're they're turning they're they're going to be hoping to turn it around. I just again, we're going to have weeks here to break break it down further. Initial reaction is uh, the one that I guess a lot of people are going to have and that's I don't know if this team is ready to start going for it now. You would have liked to see them get more assets, but I'm pretty sure that the explanation we're going to get is that the assets just weren't there in a trade, right? And again, on the Saturday episode, we talked about trading for Niels Lundqvist because um, he's been made available by the New York Rangers. Again, that's a player that was in the Rangers reported package, pre-trade deadline package for Miller that the Canucks declined. So we talked about that a little bit. And again, so it'll make sense for uh, for the Saturday episode on that. But this contract, uh, I, I am a little bit surprised that it did get done, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, you know, coming in as a player like JT Miller's caliber, who, you know, over the past three seasons, he's 12th in scoring for the NHL. I mean, that's that's damn good. That's a player that should be somewhere in the $8 million range at that kind of minimum, right? Like, if you look at it just from, like, his last three seasons and these seasons with the Vancouver Canucks here, he's been excellent. Like, he's been one of the top 12 scorers in the league. That's, that's very impressive. 99 points last year. I mean, this is a guy who brings a ton to this lineup right here and now. I just that I don't know if that 100% matches up with me on the Canucks' best time to compete for a Stanley Cup being the here and now. Like I we we've talked about this man they're they're going to run back the same defense from last year and yeah, you can you can hope that, that Bruce Boudreaux is going to be good enough of a coach to make these massive jumps in the defensive side of things. You know, maybe you start to see a little bit more gelling in the top 4. It, it just it, it I don't want to say it's a shocker, but it does like it did feel for a long time that this was going to go the other direction. And uh, even the, just kind of the way that Rutherford talked about, you know, if you remember that final hit that he did with Donnie and Dolly, um, I found it like he wasn't really sounding super positive about a deal being done because he was saying, you know, when a player puts up that many points uh, going into a contract year, a deal's very hard to get done. So I'm I'm very surprised to see this deal get done. I'm not super surprised at the money but if I had to guess like I would say that though the Canucks have committed a long time here they've committed seven years to JT Miller 
this is on the lower end of what I expected a contract to kind of look like. I don't know how you feel about $8 million at AAV, but I look at that at seven years and I say, okay, this could have been a lot worse in my eye, especially what you mentioned, kind of seeing contracts around the league here. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like like you just brought it up, like Rutherford's hit, right? And man, I just, there's so many thoughts going through my head. And I guess, I guess the big one that I kind of want to point out is, look, like, it's no secret that the Canucks may have, one, misread the market a little bit, right? Like, they thought they would get more than they were being offered at the at the, uh, the draft, and they, they were hoping that it was going to be more this offseason, and clearly they didn't get any offers, and we heard Rutherford say as much publicly, they didn't get any offers. They didn't get any offers that they felt uh, came even close to what they wanted to fill. So, again, maybe they're, maybe they're going over a little bit where they would have liked to be uh, in terms of the cap space, but... Look, like I know, it, I know it's an extra year than people would have hoped. I know people wanted JT Miller for six years. It, it, it was never going to be that, Chris. It had to be over fifty million. Like that's what I was told by multiple sources. Uh, again, not affiliated with the Canucks necessarily, but just league executives and people familiar with the league. Uh, some people even familiar with the negotiations. It was going to have to be over fifty million dollars. This wasn't going to get done otherwise. Again, like I said, fifty-six million dollars is the total uh, value of the contract. Look, Canucks obviously had to had to buck up a little bit more, but look, it, it just comes down to they weren't going to be able to get what they wanted to in the trademark. And I think when you put it into that perspective, I don't think fans are as upset about this contract because again, the big thing that I think everybody, no matter how you feel about this contract, the big thing that everybody agreed on was you can't let Miller walk for nothing in free agency, right? Like you can't just let you can't lose this this perennial asset. You can't just lose him for nothing, right? So again, maybe he's only effective for three to five more years of that this contract, right? Maybe that's the case. You never really know, but it, it's still better than losing him for nothing. Yeah, I agree with you in that point of just that would have been the worst case scenario. And I think, unfortunately for Canucks fans, you've seen the worst case scenario happen so many times over the past, you know, six, seven, eight years that um, even this type of situation has a lot of fans excited. But you, you can kind of see the reaction, I would say, pretty split, like online right now, right? I think, you know, even just looking at some of the replies to my tweet here, like, you know, the Canucks haven't really. It's almost like that, you know, you take one step back to take two steps forward. That hasn't really happened, right? Like, if this, it just feels like right now, and it just feels like a similar situation, sort of, to, you know, the previous regime of just wanting to reinvest in what they have on their roster. And unfortunately, that hasn't worked. I don't think they've had to take this kind of situation. Uh, the previous regime never really had a JT Miller type of player to go after. Uh, but they, you know, the new regime now comes after JT Miller. They want to invest in him for a long time. He's going to be in Vancouver for a long time right now. And if you're looking at it as kind of how this team is shaping out now for the future, you're getting three centers down the middle for a long time, right? You're going to have Elias Patterson for a long time here. You're going to have JT Miller now for seven years. You're going to have to see what happens with the Bo Horvat contract now because cap space is going to be very interesting when Elias Pettersson's money comes up and you know his bridge deal's over how good of a player has he been after a few years and what does he deserve and how does that affect the rest of this team right I mean the 8.5 or 8 million dollars to me it's it's a big number right now I'm super curious though and I think that people that like this JT Miller deal can kind of take this point with them is you know five six seven years from now what is the cap at right like what percentage of the cap how much has it dropped down off of what JT Miller would be making at eight million dollars at that point because right now eight million dollars feels like a pretty good sum pretty good sum of money for your average annual value 
but the cap is going to be go up. You know, we're going to see $1 million next year. We're, who knows what we're going to see down the road for years. Uh, I just wonder how fast that moves up and how a seven-year deal might be able to kind of look a little bit better for a guy like JT Miller moving forward here. Yeah, okay, and that's a really interesting perspective, Chris, because I, I kind of threw this around, and again, I was just talking to uh, some league executives, and I was like, oh, well, the cap's going to go up, so it is a fair point, but the response I got was just that that's an awful way to do business, and no team in the NHL does business like that. Like, no team in the NHL is going to succeed if you're saying like, oh, well, the cap's going to go up, so this contract isn't as bad. But like, I understand what you mean, what you mean, and I, I would say it's a valid point. I, again, I, I know it got shot down a little bit when I brought it up uh, to that league, anonymous league executive that I'm talking about here. Uh, it did get shot down quite a bit, but look, like it, it's a fact, right? The the, the cap's going to go up in about three years, and that's going to change things a little bit, right? It's going to change the Canucks cap outlook. Chris, what I really want to ask you is. What's the plan here? Like, when Rutherford came, I think this market was so exhausted from Jim Benning and the no plan plan that all they wanted was some sort of direction. And I think Rutherford gave that to some extent. And then the team went on that heater, and then it muddied the waters a little bit, right? Like, the team still obviously flips Travis Hamannick, uh for Travis Dermott, and everybody obviously views that as a good move. I understand that. But what's the plan here? Because at first it was to clear up cap space. You didn't accomplish that, right? Like, like that was a big plan was let's get some cap space. And then it became let's get some cap space, but also get some really good players in return. W- what's the plan, right? Like, like, and I know it's not so much a question for you. It's more so a question that we'll be asking on intro media avail, right? Like, like what is the plan here? And how has the plan changed since your arrival uh, in December, right? And the same question can even be posed to Patrick Alvin because obviously they have the same plan, right? Him and Rutherford. So what's the plan here? <laughs> you know what? I'm really looking forward to your big uh, why has your plan chain question since uh, you did that to Jim Benning and that worked out so well for you. Uh, very excited to see you ask that to Patrick Alvin. But I mean, yeah, you, you know, you're right. Like, has, has the, have the Canucks gotten younger? Not really. Uh, have they added a top-end prospect at the draft? Absolutely they did, but he was a winger, right? This team still needs to address what they have on the back end, and I know, you know, we'll we'll talk about this a lot more in Saturday's episode, but I I think the only mention of Miller on the Saturday episode was saying, you know, what does that mean for Niels Huglander and his potential trade value? Is like, what's the future of JT Miller? That might be the only, like, 30 seconds of the Saturday episode where we chatted about Miller, And, and to me now it's uh, you know, you look at a guy like Niels Huglander, and if we're talking about Niels Lundqvist being a trade option where the Canucks still need to add defensemen, like I, I am looking at the younger players now in that situation of a Niels Huglander or Jack Rathbone. Uh, I mean, Danilo Klyovich picks now. Like, to me, it feels like the Canucks will probably go back into that cycle that we might have seen for the past few years here of, like, they, they may end up giving up some assets here to try and make the team better here and now. I think the position they need to address is on the right side of the defense. If Niels Lundqvist is out there now, I think signing JT Miller, to me, makes it think that the plan is now to make this team as good as possible right now and still be able to get young at the same time. I mean, I'm keeping my eyes on the Canucks getting busy this weekend with Niels Lundqvist being an option. 
I mean, yeah, like we talked about on Saturday episode, we won't talk too much about Niels Lundqvist on this episode, uh, but I did want to throw out there that the Canucks have uh, emailed all of the media and said that details regarding a media availability with JT Miller and GM Patrick Alvin will be announced soon. So we will be hearing from those two gentlemen. Uh, we'll have full coverage on our midweek episode. I'm assuming that's going to come down sometime early next week. We'll probably, to be honest with you, if I know anything about the Canucks and their scheduling, we'll probably have our episode on Tuesday because obviously it's a long weekend. Uh, so enjoy your long weekend, folks, obviously. Uh, and then on Tuesday, we'll have even more to talk about here because like Chris, like we just said, a, a big question here is what's the plan, right? And Look, like Alvin in, in the statement that was released said that he thinks Miller's going to be an impact player for a long time, which, you know, it's a totally fair thing to say, but how long, right? I, I think that's the big question because, look, when you put it in perspective that this contract lasts through the 29-30 season, so this contract won't be expired until I'm 30 years old, Chris. Like, like let that sink in. I, I can't, I don't even want to know what it's going to be like when I'm 30 years old. Oh, goodness, what's going to happen to JT Miller by the time? I'm 30. How old's he going to be? You know what I mean? Like, I'm looking at it from this perspective of this is a long contract. Like, it is a long deal. And look, like, I'd say on the open market, right? And again, there's also stability that comes into place here. So look, like, maybe maybe the market set by Nazem Kadri, who again is two years older than Miller, right? Maybe that market sure, is but set. Quads, if I can just cut you off for a second of the market being set, you could also look at the Huberto contract as well, right? You're looking at eight years, $10.5 million. I think you have a better player there with Huberto, but that's why he's getting two and a half more million per year, as well as giving that contract until he's 38, 39 years old, right? Sure. Like 10.5 sure, is sure. a lot to pay Huberto. How much of a better player is he going to be over the next eight years compared to Miller over the next seven? No, you're absolutely right. And my point is that Miller, I believe, is really taking less than he would get on the open market. But I did want to add yeah. that the reason I think for that, and again, this is something that's going to be asked of Miller, is you know how attractive was stability, right? Look, the guy just had his third child today. Uh, his son Owen was born today, right? Friday, his son was born, right? Like, pampers are expensive, all diapers are very expensive. There's there's a lot that happens here uh, in terms of what Miller's going to have to actually do next year in order to go out and get a big contract. And look, if he entered this year with the trade rumors and all of the stuff going on, he even admitted on the Drop in the Gloves podcast interview he did that it would be a little bit um, distracting, right? So why would you want a distraction when this is your contract year? You're about to hit the open market. Who knows what the, what the market's going to look like next year? He's got the guaranteed money for himself. Again, like I said, the guarantee of having that money for as long as he's going to have it is attractive, right? Like maybe he could have gotten an extra million, but then he's got to move his whole family. He's got to go through this season not knowing what's going to happen. And again, it's not clear yet um, if there's any trade protection on the deal, like if there's any uh, no trade clause, any no movement clause. We really don't know at this point in time while we're recording this. Again, this is an emergency episode. It's going to be going out very soon. But look, like th- that's the fact of the matter is that I-, I think he may have taken less here because he wanted the guarantee of staying in a city he's already familiar with where he feels like he can raise his kids. Yeah, yeah, I think you're bang on with that. I think the other thing is looking and just kind of hearing the way that even JT Miller is, has talked about, whether it be on some of his interviews with like the NHL Network or dropping the gloves, I think that his role here in Vancouver is obviously something that he's never had in the rest of his career. I mean, he is the guy for offense here. He is the player with the most touches on the power play. 
And, and to think that that's the guy that the Vancouver Canucks are locking up for seven years, I think is, in a lot of people's eyes, something that they're very happy with, right? I mean, this is a guy who who does a little bit of everything for you, definitely offensively, right? Like, I think there's going to be um, questions about some of his effort level at some times. I know that there's going to be, you know, articles written about the back checks over JT Miller's seven years, uh, or I guess next eight years here in Vancouver. But at the same time, this guy knows how to bring up offense at 5-on-5. He knows how to create offense on the power play. And I think when you start to look at how he's going to age, like at least those those two things you're feeling pretty confident in because I don't think JT Miller is a guy who relies so much on his speed. And, and that's going to be the first thing that's going to kind of go as he gets older here. Like The stability is obviously good for him, but I also believe that just because of the role that Vancouver has put him in uh, and the way that he's been a Vancouver Canuck and the things that the team has asked him to do or given him the opportunity to do, that's why I think he wants to stay here more than even stability. It's just this is a different spot that he's ever been in his NHL career and likely his hockey career as well. Uh, and he's absolutely flourished in that role. And I think that's why he wants to stay here a long time is because this team is giving him an opportunity to be you know, nearly a 100-point player. And they're going to give him that opportunity next year. They're going to give him that opportunity the year after that. Like Now this is the guy in Vancouver that this team is is going with, right? It's... It's so wild because you want to see Elias Patterson take that step. You want to see, you know, Brock Besser be a 40-goal scorer. But now it's it's strange to kind of shift your mindset after seeing this contract of thinking, you know, that's all, like, it's great. Like, Patterson's an incredible player. Brock Besser's a great goal scorer. Quinn Hughes is an excellent defenseman. They're paying the most money on this roster to JT Miller now. JT Miller is the guy for the Vancouver Canucks now. Like, he's their superstar. He's the guy who put up 99 points last year. He's the guy who's always on the first power play unit. He's your first line center. Like, he is the superstar of the Vancouver Canucks now. And this contract absolutely puts it in stone. Yeah, okay. Just to keep the time short on this, because it's an emergency episode, Chris, and I know people are going to give me crap for cutting you off, but to close it out here, or do you have (laughs) anything else before this? Just what I want to say, to close it out here, both of us give our final thoughts on this contract, because that's I think that's what people really want to hear uh, when they come listen to this podcast. What's our actual final thoughts on the podcast? Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, you don't want me to tell you about the chicken sandwiches I was going to make tonight? Don't you dare. Give me your final thoughts on this no. contract. I said podcast. Well, I always get I chicken contract. sandwiches every time. I always go out and get chicken sandwiches. Tonight I'm making one at home. I'm going to try and make a fry. Anyways, all right. I mean, listen, it's... It's a long contract on a player who's going to age into his late 30s on your team. I think that is the worry. I think at $8 million, you're looking at him as a 30-year-old, as a 31-year-old, as a 32-year-old, 33-year-old. You're not super worried about that. And honestly, the full term of this contract, I think at $56 million over seven years, in my eyes, you're getting you're, there's a good chance you're going to get the value out of it, right? I... I wonder about what this Canucks team is still going to be able to do. Uh, I look at Oliver ekman Larson's contract and how he's going to age. I don't know if it's going to be as gracefully as JT Miller is. Uh, And I think that's a lot of money invested right there. I mean, there are certain things where, you know, you're not super happy about the Tyler Myers contract for two more years at $6 million. There's... There's still money over the next two years like a Tanner Pearson or a Jason Dickinson that you're you're not super comfortable with. But this is a time where they're really making an investment. I mean, this is the type of deal that you would ideally have as you are entering your window. And to me, it didn't feel exactly like the Canucks were entering their window going into this season. But they're forcing it, right? They are forcing it. I think that's the way that I'm looking at this is they're, they're giving him a seven-year deal at $8 million. It's not the worst deal in the world for me. I just am, I'm excited to see JT Miller in a Canucks jersey. I think he brings a lot to the Vancouver Canucks. I'm glad the trade talk is going to be all done with here, but the Canucks still have a lot of work to do, right? And they have now planted their flag in the ground saying, this is our guy. This is our superstar. This is our number one guy on our team. And they are fully invested in him over the next seven years. There needs to be work done on the rest of the roster to make that work for this team. And they have forwards that can surround JT Miller. Like, I know that. I have no doubt about the players that they're going to put on a line with JT Miller. The thing that I worry about is how they're going to surround that line with. Because I think you can build a very strong line in the NHL surrounded around a JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser, you know, whoever the other name might be, Vasily Podkolzin going to the next level. There's no question about that part of the team. And that's the player that they just signed. They signed a player who plays the position where there's not really a lot of question about this team. So that, to me, signals that... Yes, they're very invested in that high-end part of their roster, but there's still a lot of work to do in the weaker part of this roster. So this team still has a lot of things to change on the back end before we can start to talk about a window being wide open. Uh, And they just signed a contract that puts them into a spot where the window does need to be wide open for them. So a little bit of a force here, but I don't don't know how this contract's going to age, but I do think you're going to get... You know, at least the next three, four years, like he's making 5.2 this year, 8 million, 8 million, 8 million after. These next four years, I think you're getting value for JT Miller under that contract. Yeah, those are good closing thoughts. Those are very good closing thoughts. I think my closing thoughts are that I understand this is going to cap out the Canucks for a while. Like, the big question is how are they going to refix the defense, right? Like, they better have something up their sleeves. I don't know if it's trading a forward, what they're thinking here that they're going to do. Uh, obviously, there's options, but those options are very limited when you don't have a lot of cap space to play with. And again, like you have to look no further than this past offseason to see the evidence of that, right? Like 
it's hard to do business in the NHL right now. Like we've heard people talk about that all over the league about how teams would have liked to do things and they couldn't because nobody wants to be a trade partner and they're they're having trouble making moves because uh, everybody's capped out, right? And the Canucks are now going to be one of those capped out teams. And again, like they're running it back with the same roster. And I know a lot of people say, well, they're running it back with a roster that didn't make the playoffs. And I I, I think in management's eyes, they're actually running it back with the roster that played at the hundred plus point pace, right? But again, like. Anybody who's watched this team and is serious about this team understands that there are flaws that rear their ugly head even on some of the the best of nights, it seems like, right? Like, Thatcher Demko saved you in a lot of games last year if you're the Vancouver Canucks, right? And again, you hope that he can sustain that level of play. Obviously, uh, it's no secret that I think he can. But again, you're, you're, you're hedging your bets on a lot of... Like we talked about on the Saturday episode with people here you're hedging your bets on a lot of uncertainty, right? And again, like it's it's like the Vegas Golden Knights method uh, for next season. So my final thoughts, Chris, on the contract are if the alternative is to trade Miller for uh, a late first-round pick and things, other pieces that aren't really going to make a difference probably aren't going to hit, if the alternative to is to that, to the contract, is that or losing your leading score in free agency next year, then yeah, you're fine with this contract. Again, you didn't see it go over 8.5. They weren't going to go higher than uh, higher than nine. That's for sure. And again, like I was saying, I think Miller probably could have got north of nine uh, in free agency. So again, like like I said, I think the two sides just kind of sat down and and did this. There, I think there was some wiggle room from both sides there. Like, look, like going into negotiations, there's no way Miller's price tag was eight million, right? Uh, yeah, but again, there's absolutely. no way that the Canucks what were going to go to eight million to start, right? So I think there was some compromise here, and they just they kind of hashed it out. I think, um, like I said, we'll have to get confirmation from Miller himself. But uh, look, I, I don't think uh, I, I I don't think that the um, the idea of having the guaranteed money and you know knowing where you're going to play for the next handful of years it was something that Miller could really turn away from, right? So I think, look, both sides kind of came to it. Uh, that's why they call it a negotiation. And at the end of the day, like, I don't think you can be too upset about this contract. Yeah, I think the way I kind of look at it too is now, now that I got cap friendly in front of me here, I'm looking at like, you know, Mikheyev locked up for a four-year deal. Garland locked up for a four-year deal. I, I think the big thing I look at is, you know, Thatcher Demko has four years left at $5 million, and you're getting incredible value at that, uh, and you don't know what his contract's going to look like after that, uh, and that's so far down the road. Like I said, you'll probably be 30 by the time that happens anyways, but, you know, this is go time now for the Vancouver Canucks, just still some work that needs to be done, um, and I, I don't say that lightly either. Like, there is still a lot of work to be done before this team can compete against some of the best teams in the league. Can they compete for a playoff spot? Absolutely. They can, this team can absolutely compete for a playoff spot. They addressed what JT Miller thought was a big reason why they didn't make the playoffs by going out uh, and getting guys like Ilya Mikheyev and Curtis Lazar who can help you on the penalty kill. Uh, we saw a big change in the penalty kill last year, the way Bruce Boudreaux operated the mans, the, the men that he was putting out there. Uh, the different bodies, I should say. <laughs> that was weird. Uh, but I mean, like, this, yeah, to me, it's a four-year window now and the contracts even, it doesn't take... A genius to look at a cap friendly board and just be like, ah, it's the next three, four years is the time to go for this team here. So, uh, here we go. Like, this is, it's win now mode Canucks. Like, this has been shift. I, I feel like things have been shifting slowly in that direction. And now it's kind of just like, you know, instead of just paying your aunties and hitting the big blinds, now this, this team's all in. Like, this, this contract makes you all in. Yeah, you're right. 
You're right. And again, what are they going to do uh, to make their make their hand a little bit better here, right? And actually, if they're going all in, how are they actually going to go all in and actually win a cup? Again, uh, I, I just scrolling through uh, through Twitter and I saw a tweet that said, uh, I think it was Chester that tweeted it, uh, someone, <laughs> I think it was Chester, uh, tweeted that what it comes down to is the Canucks are committed to being good, not great. So, Something to think about. I don't know. There's still moves to come, uh, is what we think. And again, we're going to have to judge them as they come. I, I, I think I'm fine with this contract uh, at the end of the day. Again, like I said, if the alternative is to lose them for nothing or uh, next to nothing in any sort of trade. Before we wrap up, Chris, I just wanted to read this tweet from Chris Gear, former AGM of the Canucks. Uh, he said, my congrats to Milsey, a big deal and a baby. Good guy and a hell of a player. Those worrying about the seven-year term are the same ones that would complain if the team didn't compete. The cap will go up. The team just signed its best player. And ain't million ain't bad. Just relax and enjoy. Well, I'll tell you what. As, as you mentioned, people around the league worrying about the cap going up. Chris Gear's a guy I trust about uh, you know the cap actually going up and maybe not worrying so much about it too. So, yeah, I mean, you know... It, I think everybody would have loved to see that grand slam home run idea that a trade package would have came in for JT Miller that had a right shot defenseman who was going to play with Quinn Hughes for six years, was going to bring you a first round pick, was going to hit you with a third line center, you know, was going to add another B prospect and that just wasn't out there. That wasn't out there I think because of what contract JT Miller was going to sign. But I'm curious, like man, I if he was allowed to talk to other teams and this is the contract that he would have negotiated with them, I don't know. I feel like other teams would have been interested a little bit more. I, I, I think teams that are in that win now mode would have would be happy with this deal, right? I think that's the thing. Like teams that are been in the playoffs for the last three, four years, or really starting to make a push. Like it, you know, if I think of like like the LA Kings would love to have JT Miller on this contract right now, right? Like the LA Kings have young, they have cap space, they would have been able to to kind of move into the spot. Like a team like that really makes sense to get this deal done. The Canucks now just need to become a team like that. Yeah, I'm speechless. Like I, I, I don't know what else there is to add. Um, <laughs> we're going to have lots in the coming days. Again, it'll all be on CanucksArmy.com. Uh, and like I said, our midweek episode uh, should be a good one, folks. We'll close it out there. Uh, for my co-host, Chris Faber, this has been an emergency edition of Canucks Conversation. It, it's been a good one. Like I said, for my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.